In this episode of the Advanced Selling Podcast, I announce a new family member that I'm not sure I'm excited about. I get the first ever eh, from Bill. And are you an amateur or are you a pro? You listen to this episode and you will have your answer. Welcome back to the Advanced Selling Podcast, the longest running sales training podcast, podcast history. My name is Brian Neal. I'm Bill Kasky. We are here every week for your listening pleasure and hopefully to give you a few tidbits and tips and ideas and things that make your sales life a little bit better. If you have, you know, it's sales kickoff uh, season where people get together for sales meetings kind of the first four or five months of the year. If you're looking for something fun to do to bring in maybe, I don't know, a live podcast recording, that could be nice. Send us an email, listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com. We'll get in touch with you and talk to you about how all the logistics go down. We're on the road as we speak. Not as we speak, like right now, but mm -hmm. in the midst of going places here shortly. Uh, so uh, we'd love to come see you, listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com. Say, come see us. Okay. All Guess right. what I got over the holidays? A uh, Christmas gift. It was uh, flu, yes. strep throat. I did not get the flu or strep throat. I did get a Christmas gift. We got a dog. Oh, I think I heard about it. We that. got a puppy. What'd you get? A puppy. <laughs> does it matter? It's a <laughs> no, puppy. It it's doesn't. a puppy. I mean, oh, it's like having a, a sixth kid that uh -huh. I didn't really want to have. I never, I was never a dog person. I married into a dog person now. And uh, so we got a an Australian Labradoodle. Australian oh, a Labradoodle. It doesn't look like that. The, the Australian it? is, no, no, it's, no, it's got, no, it's like fuzzy. It's long hair. Yeah, okay. long hair. Okay. Um, these Australian brands of Labradoodle were bred to be service dogs. They're really, really friendly, hypoallergenic. So okay. my daughter can be around her. And um, she's a puppy. Wow. And it's really hard. Constant, yeah, and I did not realize, uh, you know, know. We, we had four kids in five years, and I'm like, this is not okay. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. nonstop. And you got to take it out like you do a kid. Yep. And, and I tell people, and here's the great part. They're like, oh, don't worry. Um, th that that time will pass. That phase, And, and yeah. what she says, I'm like, okay, cool. Then they go, um, by the time she gets to be three or four, she'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do this crap for another two years. They're like, yeah, if it's a puppy, they're really not, not puppies until they're like three or four. So for you dog lover listeners out there, I would love any love advice you could give to a uh, to a, a new dog owner here. Her name is Sydney, mm. Sydney Rue, because she's from Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, kids were mostly excited. Well, a couple of my kids aren't really dog kids either. Really? But, but most of them. Kind of turned their nose up. A little bit. Whatever. What's the next William, present? William's not a big fan. I don't think he's... Uh, anyway, so any advice? Uh, yeah. Listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com. Uh, dog advice. You can put that in the <laughs> subject line for Brian. I'll take anything I can get. Well, my, uh, my daughter, Kara, was home from Denver, and she has a puppy. That's the one I just showed you. It's oh. Australian something. I think it's yes. a mutt, but it's uh, really a good dog. But it's six months old, yes. and it's just all puppy and all legs and, you know, jumps up on the furniture, yep. jumps up on the bed. And I don't yeah. mind that. My wife doesn't like that. But yes. it was fun to have her there, Alma is her name, for a week and a half. But it's kind of good, <laughs> um, good to have her Alma? Done. Alma. Where'd that come from? There's a city in Denver named oh. Alma up in the mountains. Oh, that's neat. It's a very pretty city. That's great. Yeah. I love special names. I think, like that. that's, I think that's how they... Before we get to our topic today, Brian, do you ever wish you could afford your own executive administrator to fill your calendar? Mm-hmm. Cute. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the number one problem salespeople face, have, do it, they face it now, and they always will probably, is prospect meetings. How do you book them? If you don't get the front end working, then the back end won't work either. It's one of those things that just always is, is inside your mind and heart and gut all the time. How do I book more first appointments? Well... You should know about Chronologic. 
Our partners there offer the first calendar monetization engine. Chronologic takes leads from any channel and converts them to meetings. It literally books out your calendar for you so you can maximize your meetings, your pipeline, and of course your income. You can use their technology for yourself. Book a demo at chronologic.ai. That's K-R-O-N-O logic.ai. So this topic today was born out of a conversation. It was birthed oh, out of a conversation that I had with a, uh, a brand new client the other day. And the question was, where are you taking my people? So mm-hmm. I've, I've paid you money to come in and we're going to start training. In fact, we've already begun, began uh, late last month. Where are you taking them? I know what we're going to accomplish. We're going to accomplish better close rates. We're going to accomplish uh, higher levels of lead generation and, and more sales, obviously. But where are you taking each person? And I thought that was a really good question. And I started thinking about, well, we're taking them from where they are today, skill-wise, to another level of skill, which we'll call the pro. Yeah. And so I looked at this through the eyes of, well, you've got the amateur and you've got the pro. And if you look at it like a spectrum, you, the amateur is one through five, the, the pro is eight through 10. You've probably got some areas in the middle there. But we want to talk a little bit today about what is it that makes an amateur an amateur and what is it that makes a pro a pro in four areas, prospecting, managing the process, closing, and just overall energy that you bring to the business. And we have each gone through this and looked at, at the a couple of attributes of each area, whether you're an amateur or a pro, and then you'll have to slot yourself in the, on the spectrum yourself. Yeah, and this is a good exercise to do no matter how long you've been doing, no matter how long you've been selling, no matter what you do, uh, no matter how good you think you are. Yeah. Because there's always a level up, like you said. If any, if you're sitting there giving yourself tens and tens and tens, then you can go and delete the podcast. You get it all figured out. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is hard to do for some people though, because I think some people on both sides of the fence they'll think they're more on the amateur side when really when you objectively look at them like they do some really good things, but they're just hard on themselves. Yeah. And then some people have an inflated self appointments on the other side. Yep. Yeah, it's just not our job. So do do your best to maintain objectivity through this exercise based on some of the things that Bill and I are going to talk about yep. in each of the four. Uh, sections. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day of a person. We've talked about uh, this person before. I won't mention the name, but uh, they, they are doing. Eh, no. <laughs> they are doing. <laughs> I got the. Uh, I got to call Jane and see if she ever gets the. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, they're doing $25 million a year just from their business, which is fed by their podcast primarily. They've had 5,000 people on iTunes who have reviewed their podcast, and they've turned this into a massive business. And they're in the same kind of space we are. So when I heard that, the first step, I got real resentful and kind of defensive. Well, it's a different business. And I thought, wait a minute. I'd like to know what this person does to get there. Maybe there's something I can learn from that. Maybe we can learn. So the idea here is to put out some aggressive pro tips and say, these are what pros do. And if you're not there, that's okay. At least it's something to shoot for. Yes. Yeah. And remember, it's a spectrum. It's not it a is. one or a yeah, zero. No, it's right. not you're either that's in right. or out. You're kind of moving along. From, okay. Let's right. do prospecting. Let's do prospecting. Can we go first? Yeah, go ahead. Amateurs. Amateurs, in my opinion, my observations over 22 years of doing this, uh, prospecting, amateurs only prospect when they have to. Ah, ding, 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 Got brother. It. And yeah. they only take the safest method to prospecting. Um, 
So the safest might be they try to go to um, uh, old uh, accounts that they haven't talked to in forever. They, they take the easiest way. Or they email instead of call. I it's saw, just the that's easiest what I thought way. you were going to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all, they also non-confrontational. Tend, non-confrontational. Uh, let's see, you're mm-hmm. you're you're mm-hmm. good. It's I got this down the road. They're um, they also have a uh, a lack of leverage in their prospecting processes, mm-hmm. meaning they're trying to do one to one. They're shooting out emails. They're hoping and praying that someone bites on their emails, stuff like that. Throwing a lot of stuff lot against of stuff. the wall. If you know what I what I mean there. Yeah. Um, I had here three of those four things. Yeah. Plus. I had, I think a lot of times the amateur's intention will be wrong. It'll be to fill their funnel because that's what the message they get from a VP of sales. Hey, look, uh, Brian, I was looking at your funnel the other day. You're really light. There's no way you're going to make the numbers for the first quarter unless you're Q1, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, then I better prospect. I prospect to fill my funnel. Well, that's BS. You don't prospect to fill your funnel. You prospect because you have good stuff that the market needs, and they've got a problem that you can solve. That's why you prospect. And if the intention is about helping the the market and helping your customers or potential customers see where they've missed, see what's possible, that's going to inspire you a whole lot more than just, oh, God, i got to fill my funnel because my boss wants me to. Yeah, beautiful. How do the pros prospect them? Well, I wrote down, and these aren't always just the opposite, I said, uh, pros are always prospecting. Yeah. They don't even think no. of it like a thing. No. They don't, they don't think of it like prospecting. They, they just they just do it naturally. They're just constantly, I always say, they're constantly out there. It's just Be what they there. do. I yeah, just, it's just, it's just what they do. Right. Um, I had a uh, breakfast, a networking breakfast, a, a guy I know who's looking for a sales gig, really sharp sales guy. And, uh, you know, we were at Patichu, a little restaurant here in Indianapolis that a lot of people go to. And he's like, man, you come here, you just see everybody. I'm like, yeah. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. You're just out there, and you give yourself a chance to run into people, and you're just out and about. So there's constantly out. They're, um, they actually have a slant towards content marketing. I think I think pros do this. So pros understand the value of creating a good LinkedIn connection network. They participate and play. They post videos. They share articles. They do that naturally without being told to. And I think this gets to your intention thing, Bill. I wrote down that they're very giving yeah. in their prospecting Generous. processes. Yeah. They're very, very... Um, altruistic that way, not in a save the world way, but in a feed people good yeah. stuff way. Yeah. They're they're unafraid to like, oh, I'm going to hold this back or keep this from anybody. They're they're constantly trying to do good for others. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how they prospect. The only thing I would add to that is that, and you've kind of hit on it. I th- I said they're strategic in their thinking about prospecting. Like they're not going to do email blasts necessarily. They're going to be much more targeted and pinpointing. So who are the 25 people in the city I want to work with or in the country or who do I need to have contact with? Write them down and start working through them. Instead of just winging it and throwing a whole bunch of you-know-what against the wall. And the second thing is scalability. I think the pros look at their prospecting process and ask themselves, how in the world do I make this scalable? How do I make it so while I'm sleeping, um, I just wrote a a piece of content the other day on LinkedIn, and last week I had three people reach out to me to talk about coming in and working with them. Well, I don't know when they came. All I know is that I woke up one morning and had three appointments from somebody who had read an article, and that's about scalability. It's like you put something out there that's meaningful, people see it, they call you, and so you're not constantly doing the outreach. It's more inbound. That's scalable. Beautiful. Okay, manage the The process, process, number two. What do you got for amateur? I've got the amateur 
culture is very accidental. They're very um, unintentional about the process. They will do it one way one day, another way another day, depends on the prospect. Well, this is a big client, this is a big prospect, so I can't work my process there. They've got to work their process. No, that's not the way to do it. So I think anytime it's not written down, it yep. becomes accidental. It becomes, it becomes a winging process. And then at the end, you get frustrated because it didn't go according to plan. We talked in the last podcast about a couple of things that we've lost recently yeah. where we just didn't use the process. Yeah. And then the amateur blames the prospect. Yep. Never takes personal accountability. No, exactly. Uh, very similar. Just very two, two things. And one you already said in the first one, they lack uh, control, number one. And they control the process, not the people, the process. Uh, so it's a lot of, uh, well, what would you like to do next? Well, how would you like me to follow up? It's very like like asking for permission the whole way. It kind of subverts them below the person. Mm-hmm. Subverts, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. And then I also wrote down, like you did earlier, without comparing notes, they avoid confrontation in the process. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, we're going to need a couple of weeks. Oh, no problem. Yeah, just let me know. They never yeah. say, you know what? Uh, we've been at this a long time. It's decision time. Let's get a day on the calendar and see you your name. They yeah. never control that. Yeah. That's the amateur. So Pros. that's... Yeah. So that's part of the pro that I had written down oh. is they they don't vault over the necessary components of the process. They yeah. are they are constantly thinking, okay, I've got my checklist. We talked about that. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back. We talked about creating an intentional process including checklists and language and things like that that you need to use. So I think the pro is really buttoned up on the process. They do not vault they say when we go to the close, yeah. not the prospect says. Yeah. So it's it's totally control of the process. Yes. Uh, good. Let's do the close. Yeah. Uh, the amateurs. My, what I wrote down here was um, the amateurs in the closing s- cycle or closing section of the sales process assume it will just happen, and they operate from fear because they get so attached through the sales process. They're scared to death to lose something. They give up all control. They won't ask for a decision. They won't ask for a date. They won't ask to talk to somebody else. They won't ask for another meeting because they're afraid they're going to lose it. Uh, that's, to me, how a lot of amateurs close. They just hope and pray mm-hmm. that it's going to happen and that the deal will just come in. And some of them do. More would, though. Yeah. You'd be more efficient if you did it like the pros. Although you could say that if you're doing the process really well and you're working people through it, the close should be somewhat organic. But if you're not doing the process then it's not right. going to be organic. And then you've got to put down some kind of, hey, well, what, what do you think? You know, are you ready to do business? Yeah, uh, let Whatever me know. all those crazy yes. one-liners are. <laughs> um, yeah, I said they're arbitrary. They're, 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 they're there's, there's no rhyme or reason to when we ask for the business or when we ask for the decision. Yeah. It becomes more about when do we want the decision to be made versus, well, where does the process call for the decision? Yes. And if I haven't made a presentation and I haven't found out the problems and I haven't done a good job of determining the economics and I'm going to close, I can almost tell you, get 3% of those. Yes. If you're finding yourself saying to your boss, talking about a deal, well, let's you know, talk about Barry Plastics, and you're calling on them. If you find yourself saying to your boss, I'm supposed to know by... If you use that mm, language, I'm mm, supposed to know by you yeah. do not have control of the sales yeah. process and you yeah. don't have any closing. They told me they'd let me know they next me Friday know. Yes. Or, or last Friday, but right. they right. never called. Yes. Well, yeah. the holidays. We're, we're supposed to know by the end of the week. <laughs> How many times you hear that? So you hear that? True. It is, isn't it? They always so say true. you hear it all the time in a sales meeting. We're you guys are laughing. You're listening and you're laughing. Uh-huh. Your sales manager like, said oh it. You've said it. I've said it. They're supposed to let me know. They're. I'm supposed to hear back by. 
Yeah, they they, told, they've they got all the information. They, they told me they'd let me know. Yeah, <laughs> they've, got, they've all, got all the information, right? Yeah, they've got uh, balls in their court. Balls, balls in their court. Why would you ever put the ball in the compet- in the person's court? And they're not competitor, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. Like, anyway. All right. Yeah. So it's really the the right question then. So maybe we go into the pro here. Yes. Um, the right thing there for the pro is that we decide yes. when the decision day is, yep. and we are. We have no expectation about it being a yes or a no. Nope. We'll just say, this is our go, no go. This is when we make a decision. Yeah. This is the time in sprockets when we dance. That's the deal. We dance. We dance. Sprockets. <laughs> Got to Google that, Yeah. you youngsters. You youngsters. You millennials. Who was that? Was that, was that Joe Pis- That wasn't he, Joe Piscopo. No, was it? It, was, uh, it was one of the- It was Will Ferrell. No, it wasn't Will Ferrell. Who, who was Sprocket himself? I, I thought it was uh, J- uh, Jim uh, uh, Goat Boy. Who does Goat Boy? <laughs> Uh, Steve Martin? Not Jim Gap. No, no, no I, no, I know no. the Goat Bow's not Steve Martin, but I thought oh, Steve Martin was in some of those skits. Anyway. We'll find out who Sprocket is. I thought it was Joe Piscopo. Anyway, okay. Is that also Sprock Zarathustra? Sprocket. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Look up 2001 Space oh, Odyssey. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I came out the year I was born, I think. <laughs> you should know that. I came out 50 years ago. All right, let's go to energy. Amateur right. energy, pro energy. Amateur energy. Cat-like um, energy. Up and down. Lots of up and down with the with the... Um, amateurs, and I find amateurs, they don't admit it, tend to relax and vacation at work. I see it especially at inside sales teams where people just meander around, they get inside conversations, they dick around, they go on social media and all that stuff. Outside salespeople will tend to drive laps around 465, that's our little loop around here, and amateurs will vacate, they'll look for reasons to go home early. Amateurs look for reasons to go home early. They also, in their energy, are seeking fulfillment outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're looking for friends. They're looking for approval. They're looking for uh, ways to win so they can look good and feel good about themselves. That's what amateurs' energies, in my mm-hmm. opinion, amateurs, the energy that they carry. So let's talk about that for a minute. I know we're almost out of time. Where the tape's running. I only got about three minutes left on the tape. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm up against a hard break. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea, if you are looking for ways to not work, Something's wrong. Agree. There's something wrong with the culture that you're in. There's something wrong with your perspective on why you do what you do. There's something wrong with the value you bring. There's something off. And I know that I get into arguments sometimes with older people. It's like, well, wait a minute. Not everybody loves their work like you do. Why not? Why can't we? Maybe we don't love 99.9% of the things we do, but can't we like 80%? Can't we fall in love with the work we do and who we do it for and why we do it and the vibe and the company and the culture? And so if if you find yourself trying to escape, what are you escaping from? You might be escaping from something that's just not inspiring to you. Yes. It's amazing how many people say that too. They'll go, I mean, to, to us. They'll say, well, yeah, of course. Well, you you love what you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, it must be easy. I mean, you, you know, I'm like, do you think like we just like this just sort of appeared? Or this is on on accident? Like, yeah. You know, everything's on purpose. Okay. So uh, another thing you can, well, yeah. So it's like counting the years to retirement. Well, you know, I got about five more years exactly. here at the, at yeah. the plant. Yeah. Uh, okay. The uh, energy of the high, uh, pr- the pro performer, uh, number one I wrote down is they have a massively high level of self-awareness. They're constantly tuned into where their energy is, how it's helping them, how it's holding them back, what they can do about it. They have a really high level of self-awareness. 
Um, and they're very self-accepting of that. They're very self-accepting of that, where they say, yeah, you know what, I'm tired today. And it's okay that I'm tired. I know what to do when I'm tired. I know what my energy's like. Or they can say I'm crusty, or I'm bummed out, or I'm happy and I'm up and energetic. So they're constantly aware, always accepting, they're constantly feeding their energy one way or the other, trying to make it uh, better for themselves mm-hmm. and the people around them. I just have, they are constantly consuming things that are healthy for them. Yeah. I'm not talking necessarily about food, although it could be, but me- mental things, they're, they're consuming podcasts, they're consuming YouTube videos, they're reading books that are, that are bringing ideas and inspiration into it versus just passive consumption where I'm watching TV or I'm watching a game. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're in the game doing what you do. You're, not yeah. watch, you're watching it, but you are in it. And so that's a very creative space to be versus just being a fan. Yeah. And I think that we have to be less consumers of content and more creators of content. And when we do, that creates more energy within us to do what needs to be done, say what needs to be said, so that when we do face problems and issues and dilemmas, we have the energy to battle through them. Love it. All right. Uh, if you uh, have a sales meeting coming up, you've got any sort of regional sales meeting, national sales meeting, you like a little bit of a different take, a different speaker, a different angle, something new, something fun, we'd love to come visit with you. Send us a, an email, listener at Put Come see us in the message, and we'll uh, get the ball rolling and talk to you about how to do that. And uh, we'll see you next time, or hear you, talk to you next time yeah. on the Advanced Selling Podcast. Bye. Bye.